You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. It is AT&T Pro-Am Week, Pebble Beach, Spyglass, no Monterey this year. All right, last week ended up being a really good week in terms of profit, but it could have been so much better. The Zandy Man X, absolutely gaining stroke after stroke off the tee, decides to snap hook it into the water on 17. I mean, and then right before that, Brooks... Dunked his chip in to Eagle 17. It was like the stars aligned to to put Xander in second place yet again. I think that's like his fourth or fifth second in like his last eight tournaments. Just brutal. Cannot close the deal. Um, Had him in one and done, which was nice. Had him as an outright. Was praying that he held off Brooks, but he did not. And, you know, it brings up a few points, some things that I do want to talk about real quick before we get into Pebble Beach. Like, why didn't I play Brooks? I know a lot of people were on Brooks because, you know, you see Brooks Kepka, you see 50 to 1. He's obviously going to win that tournament more than 2% of the time. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that, it, you know, maybe just fancy fancy betting on my part. Uh, basically, what I mean by that is, you know, just not taking the value. Like, I, I bet Russell Henry... Henry Russell Henley and Ryan Palmer in that range. Henley was in first place for a hot minute on Saturday. Um, Sam Burns, who we bet, was in uh, first place for a hot minute, I think on Friday. Um, We had a lot of outs. A lot of the guys that I took as outrights were, you know, flirting with the lead at some point on the weekend, but it just made so much sense to bet Brooks, and I don't know why I didn't. Um, but that's definitely a lesson learned. Jot it down. Don't make it again. Anytime there's a world-class golfer, even if he hasn't been playing great, that you're getting at just absurd odds, you know, pull the trigger. The other thing I want to talk about is my Substack. You have to subscribe to it right now while you're listening patjames.substack.com. Basically, it's a, it's an email newsletter. Um, or it's a website that you can go and, and take a look at. Either or, right? You get the information emailed to you, like it comes up as a newsletter in the email. Or if you just go to patjames.substack.com, you will uh, be able to read it as if it's a web page. I have been posting my, you know, pre-round DraftKings thoughts, cheat sheet, and betting card But I think the greatest value that you will get from it is the head-to-head betting aspect of it. I'm going to tell you, I mean, if you've been following me on Twitter, I tweeted out, I believe it was on, it was on Friday night that I had come across a huge mistake that DraftKings Sportsbook had made. I I blasted it out in my so here's what I'll, I'll take you through the exact timeline. Logged in, going through all of the um, head-to-head matchups for 
Saturday. Um, mostly at that point, it was just tournament finishing position. It wasn't um, matchups because they really don't, they didn't know who was going to be matched up just quite yet on Saturday. So, uh, and I had just looked at the leaderboard and I had seen that Patton Kazire was eight under. And I had seen that Aaron Wise had just made the cut at three under, right? He, he, um, just snuck inside the cut line on Friday afternoon. And I had a lot of Kazire, so I knew Kazire was playing well. I had him to uh, to top 20, I think. And so I'm looking, and there was a bet up, a head-to-head bet, Aaron Wise versus Patton Kazire, tournament finishing position, meaning who was going to finish higher in the tournament on Sunday when all said and done. Now, keep in mind, Patton Gazire has a five-stroke lead. He, he's eight under, Wise is three under. And Kazire, they, they flipped the odds, I think, is what happened. Kazire was plus 335 to beat Wise, even though he already had a five-stroke lead on him. And Wise was minus 500 like that. So I absolutely unloaded the clip. First of all, I went back to the PGA leaderboard and made sure that I wasn't missing something. Then I came back to DraftKings, unloaded the clip, the account on this bet. i happy that they even took the bet because it was the biggest head-to-head bet uh, in terms of amount that I've ever made. And then I started, then I immediately blasted it out on Substack. Go take a look at this bet. It's definitely a mistake. Hopefully they don't void it. Thankfully, DraftKings honored the bet. They took it down pretty quick, like within 20 minutes of me finding it and betting it, it was down. Um, I'm not saying that I had anything to do with that, but I just think everybody looking at the tournament odds and the tournament leaderboard probably saw that. Um, I did get some DMs that guys saw the Substack email, got the bet in, awesome. I did get some uh, DMs frustrated that they didn't get to it in time. Sorry, um, that's just the nature of gambling. If you're if you're not at your phone or on your computer when a new when news like that hits, you know you don't have a ton of time. So. That was, that made my weekend. You know, I didn't do great um, betting the Super Bowl props. I think I was like five and six or something like that. Um, but that just made my weekend. Xander winning the uh, waste management would have probably made my month. But what can you do? Um, so in terms of head-to-head betting, that was huge. That's not always going to happen, though, right? We're not always going to find a, a three-to-one misprice that we can absolutely just smash and you know make four figures on that's not always going to happen but what is going to happen is every night Friday night Saturday night Thursday night Friday night Saturday night I'm going to go through the head-to-heads and kind of pick out the ones that I like basically what I do is run through the strokes gain statistics and see who is not playing like they should be, who's kind of playing over their head, and see if any of those two match up. So on Friday, and I'm not going to recap this or rehash all my head-to-head bets every week, but I just want, for the people that don't know what they're missing out on the Substack, I think it's important. Like Friday I sent out, Brendan Steele is plus 150 to beat Matthew Wolf. Steele was playing lights out, missed some lucky putts. Wolf was playing bad and made some long putts. So I think that right there was 
you know, one of the things that, that really tip you off to, to betting a head-to-head, and it was plus 150 odds. So right off the bat, that was the only one I sent out on Friday that hit. Then on Friday night, what happens Friday into Saturday is the head-to-head matchups come out kind of later than usual because, obviously, um, the, the pairings change when people miss the cut. So what I did was I basically sent out three or four guys to target and then three or four guys to fade when the matchups come out because they just hadn't come out yet. Um, The way I bet it, I ended up going four and two on Saturday to bring me to five and two. Then on Sunday, uh, I think I ended up, I did, I ended up two and two. So on the weekend, seven and four, Two of the bets were plus 150s. Add that to the Kazire misprice, and it was a really solid weekend. So I implore you to sign up for patjames.substack.com. You'll get those head-to-head insights every weekend. And I'm not saying that I'm going to like never lose a head-to-head. Obviously, it's golf. It's very, very volatile. Um, but what I will do is I'll go through all the stroke gain statistics. I'll tell you who should play better on the weekend, who should probably play worse. And if there, any of them are matched up, that's when you pull the trigger on betting a head-to-head. Can the guy that is playing over his head continue to play over his head? Sure. Can the guy who is not hitting greens but usually does hit greens continue to miss greens? Sure. But oftentimes those things write themselves over the course of a tournament and we can take advantage of it. Okay, Pebble Beach. There's only two courses. There's no amateurs this year. There's only two courses, Spyglass and Pebble Golf Links. No Monterey, uh, no DJ. He's out of the tournament. So that makes things a little bit trickier to bet. So um, when I go through my betting card, you could see that like I got Jason Day at 40 to 1 on Monday morning. I got Francesco Molinari at 33 to 1. On Monday morning, and I got Sam Burns at 60 to 1 on Monday night. Since DJ, who's a 4 to 1 favorite, withdrew, like everybody's odds are like cut in half, which makes it, uh, you know, if you got in on them on your bets before DJ withdrew, there's a ton of value there. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't bet some guys that you like, it just means that you missed out on a chance for extreme value, right? Um, it's not like DJ is still in the field and these guys' odds are cut in half. They actually have a much better shot of winning now that DJ is not in the field. So don't shy away from you know taking an outright or two if you really like them. Okay, let's talk about uh, some of the golfers in the field. Let's talk about what I put in the model. So Pebble and Spyglass are somewhat similar courses. They're short courses. Even though they're a little bit longer this year, they are two pretty short courses, right? Around 7,000 yards. So I did look at performance on short courses uh, in general. Obviously, long-term approach, short-term approach, long-term greens and regulation, short-term greens and regulation. Uh, The desired proximity ranges are, you know, this is a this is a gap wedge course. You know, you'll see a lot of guys on certain holes having 100 to 125 yards in, but it's also a long iron course as well. The two most common approach shots are from 100 to 125 and from 200 
plus. So I looked at both those numbers. Um, I looked at history, didn't really bake it much into the model. Um, I looked it off the T, even though not traditionally uh, a statistic that pops here. The biggest stat is, you know, greens and regulation um, approach. Just the greens at Pebble and Spyglass are small, right? And I also put in some around the green game um, because oftentimes players are going to miss the greens and going to need to get up and down. One thing that Xander absolutely failed at this weekend. I don't know, like, and he, it was just, I never saw anybody struggle around the greens like he did. Chipping balls, leaving himself like 12-foot putts on 30-foot chips. Uh, just, he really, really, really did not play well on Sunday to cough that up. Sad. Uh, that's pretty much everything that I put into the model. Um, I, I did put in POA putting just because I wanted to see like the best putters on POA. Um, and recent form obviously is in there as well. So all those things combined, obviously weighted some things much heavier than others to get my top list of 10 golfers that we always start with here on the ride in DFS and betting podcast. DJ came out number one, obviously scratch that. Paul Casey's number two. Brendan Steele comes number three. Um, he is a really good short player, short course player. He has been dialed in with his irons. He ranks seventh in recent Gers gained. He's a pretty good scrambler too. Um, and you know, really, I think the only thing we have to worry about here is the putter goes cold because he's playing well in general. Um, the desired proximities are there. I really like Brendan Steele. In fact, I may even put a win bet on Brendan Steele. I have not done that yet. Kevin Streelman, I mean, this is his course. He uh, he has three top sevens here in his last three tournaments. I think he has a second and two sevens to be exact, but he's also playing really well. His recent greens and regulation gained on the field is first. Um, and, you know, obviously, like we mentioned, really good history here. His approach numbers are good. Um, and it's a shorter course, so we don't have to worry about length off the tee. I like Streelman. Jim Furyk comes in fifth, probably because of um, his his greens and regulation over the last 50 rounds, he is second, so that makes him pop. But he also rates out really well. He's a really good iron player, right, like from, from pretty much any distance. But he rates out really well from the required distances of 100 to 125 and 200 plus. So I think Furyk at 7,400, you could sprinkle him in. And let me just say right now, when you see my cheat sheet, it is dominated by guys in the 900 range and guys in the 700 range. I think that it is very viable to skip out on the top end this week, right? Like, so Paul Casey, Daniel Berger, Will Zalatoris. As much as I love Will Zalatoris, playing him at 10K is uh, a bit iffy for me. You know, Patrick Cantlay probably has the best chance to win this tournament at this point, but 11-3 for Patrick Cantlay, ah, I don't know. I mean, this isn't a field. This this isn't a great field, but it's also not a course where I think you know only a handful of players can win. I honestly think that probably fifty players can win here because of how short it is. It kind of brings all those guys into the mix. 
So I'm going to go really balanced this week. Sixth is Harold Varner. Um, obviously played really well last week. I On Sunday, we bet him plus 150 to beat Russell Henley because Varner was literally throwing darts on Saturday and just missing putts. And Henley was getting really lucky with the putter. And that's the kind of thing that we look at for those head-to-heads. What happened on Sunday? Harold kept throwing darts, but some putts dropped. Henley did not make any 15, 20, 25 footers. So there we go. Varner cashes the plus 150 for us. Um, I like Cam Davis. Cam Davis is probably in the best form of anybody on the tour right now. He is just lights out with the irons. He actually, now that I look at it, he is first in approach since the first of the year. Um, One thing I did on Fantasy National was, for my recent, I made a custom date range since January 1st. So since the first of the year, he has the most strokes gained uh, on approach. He's also a really good short course player. That's one thing that I look at here um, because there is just a different way to play short courses, right? You could bomb here, but there's often, uh, you know, things that would deter you from doing so, right? It's a coastal course. There's a lot of steep drop-offs, right? Out of bounds, down cliffs, things like that, Um, especially at Pebble. So you have to know how to hit it to a number, which is usually 100 to 125, and then, uh, you know, hit it onto the green. Same thing at plus 200 on some of the longer par fives. You can't just absolutely pound a 360-yard drive and then, you know, hit your hit your 8-iron in, it's not going to happen here. Um, you're going to have some long iron shots. Um, probably my favorite player in this entire field is Sam Burns. He is gaining strokes everywhere. The only thing Burns uh, that concerns me is his around the green game. So if he misses, uh, see, the thing for me is I don't think he's going to miss greens this week. I think he's going to be pretty dialed in and have a good week. If he does start to miss greens, then he could probably eject before um, Saturday just because he's not the best up-and-down player. What can you do? Norlander is ninth. Kyle Stanley is 10th. So let's go through the ranges, and I'll just quickly give you my favorite guys from each range. Obviously, I really like Paul Casey if you're paying up. I think he's in great form. Um, You know, obviously is a great iron player uh, and is a really good short course player as well. I don't mind Berger, but like I said, I think I'm going to live. I'm going to probably skip out on Jordan Spieth. I have a win bet on Jason Day. Um, I got him at 40 to 1 on DK on Monday morning. I think I might have already said that um, at this point. I don't know what, what I've already said, but I do like Jason Day. I like Molly, um, Sam Burns, Cam Davis, Kevin Streelman, Henrik Norlander. Like that range there from like 8,700 to 9,500 is going to be, I'm probably going to try to get like three guys from that range. Then it drops off, right? I like Brendan Steele at 8,400, but then I don't really like much else till maybe Matthew Neesmith. He's playing really well with his irons. Um, Looked good last week. Was the 18-hole leader, first-round leader, um, so he's playing really good on approach. Don't want to go back to James Hahn. Really tough to mentally come back from from literally blowing uh, the tournament down the stretch there. 
I really like Russell Knox. So here's where we get into the seven the seven K range. So if I have a bunch of nine K guys, it's gonna lead me to um, some seven K guys. That's just the way it'll shake out. I really like Russell Knox. I do not like Peter Malnati. He has been playing well, but it's I mean like he's been finishing well in tournaments, but he really hasn't been playing well. Um, he doesn't rate rate out well. In opportunities gained, he doesn't rate out well in recent uh, greens and regulation too well. Um, so, I don't know. I think I'd rather go to Knox. I'd rather go to Harold Varner. I think Harold Varner is going to be popular just by the way he played on the weekend at Phoenix. But, man, he's just, Varner's just crushing it. Um, crushing on approach, plays short course as well. He's a really good long iron player. Like, he'll he can crank his six iron from 220 and hit the greens you know with his eyes closed and that is going to be a skill that you need at this course um from there i i kind of want to not have the recency bias kick up and play pet and kazire because obviously excited to take down that big bet but that was really nothing to do with kazire and everything to do with the misprice on DraftKings. I do like Scott Stallings. Um, I don't know. I just have a thing for Stallings. I don't know what it is. He does hit his his long irons really well. He has a pretty good history here at Pebble and at Spyglass. Um, and he does play short course as well. And his approaches were really good over the course of uh, the weekend at Phoenix. He was throwing some darts. He actually had a round, I think, where he was minus five or six. And I think he was in the write-up on... Saturday to uh, to be a head-to-head bet and we cashed in on him with a five under round on Saturday. Um, Ryan Moore rates out well. He really hasn't been playing great but anytime you need a wedge player Ryan Moore is your guy like he is just dialed from that 100 to 125 distance. Like I don't know what you guys hit on the golf course from 100 to 125 that's like two different ranges for me I probably hit my sand wedge at 100 but then like it's my pitching wedge up at 125 and then in the middle you know just take your pick probably skull it somewhere while because I'm trying to take a little bit off of it or you know pound a, a sand wedge further than I can um, but Moore is just an absolute beast from that range. I think I already mentioned Kyle Stanley. He's 10th in the model. But then after that, there isn't really a ton that I love. Um, Tom Hoagie's played well here uh, in the past. He does have uh, a history on short courses. Like, that's where he pops. Um, And as I'm going through, like, some guys just rate out well. Let's go through some of the specific stats that I really didn't pay much attention to in the model, but that I did put in just so that I could see them. Like the best putters on fast POA, Jimmy Walker, Aaron Badley always pops on uh, on putting stats, DJ, Brant Snedeker, like none of the guys that are that would even be on your radar aside from DJ pop in putting. So, you know, that's not really an angle that I think I want to take. Kucher, Jason Day is a good putter on on fast POA, so maybe Jason Day. In terms of form, like who's playing well recently, Cam Davis, Patrick Cantlay, Siwoo Kim, Molly, 
Henrik Norlander, obviously Cage Lee. I think I saw he withdrew, though. Brendan Steele, Will Zalatoris, Matt Jones, Christian Kirk, Daniel Berger for the overall form. The best players in terms of gaining strokes on short courses, 7,000 yards or less. Actually, I believe it's 7,200 yards or less. Burger pops. Burger loves the short course. Uh, Cantlay, Paul Casey, Jason Day, Alex Noren, Vaughn Taylor actually might be a sleeper at 7K. Nick Taylor obviously won here last year. Isn't playing well um, right now in terms of approach numbers, though. So I don't know about that. And then Joel. Damon rates out decently well on short courses. And then how about, let's look at our course history. The top 10 strokes gained at Pebble Beach are DJ Kevin Streelman, Tom Lehman, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, J.B. Holmes, Brent Snedeker, Jason Day, Daniel Berger, and Jimmy Walker. All right, a quick recap. I like Paul Casey in the top tier, but I'm probably avoiding it all together and making balanced lineups. I like Jason Day. I like Francesco Molinari. I really like Sam Burns. He's probably my favorite. Those three guys I have win bets on right now, Day, Molinari, and Burns. Um, Siwoo Kim's in really good form. His irons are hot. I like rolling with Siwoo Kim. Cam Davis, really good form. His approach numbers are through the roof at this point. Kevin Streelman, because of course history, three top sevens here in the last three years. His strokes gained approach and his, his GERS gained are pretty solid as well. Don't love paying that price for him, but you know maybe that will make him lower owned. Norlander playing really well. I like Norlander. Brendan Steele rates out third in the model. I'm probably going to put a win bet on him too. That mid-range is probably going to be where I take three or four guys from. Uh, and then the punts, the guys under 8K, you know, a 78 player, 78K player is really not a punt, but we'll call them the cheapies, the punts. Um, I like Harold Varner. I think he's going to be popular, though. I like Jim Furyk. A lot of guys are going to say they're not playing the old man, but this is like one of the courses he can actually pop at. His plus two, his 200 plus iron play really puts him in line here. Ryan Moore, just a really good wedge player. You know, anytime that Short distances pop at a course like 100 to 125. I'm going to have Ryan Moore in my player pool. Kyle Stanley, elite iron player. Um, he's probably playing as good as anybody in the field in terms of strokes gained approach right now. Russell Knox doesn't really, I mean, like across the board, doesn't have many red flags uh, in the model. Everything is either, you know, solid or, you know, middle of the pack. Doesn't have too many issues or too many things to be concerned about. I can see Knox coming in top 20. And then Scott Stallings. I don't know. I just have an affinity for Stallings. You don't have to play him if you don't want. But there's just something about him. I love betting him first round leader, top 20 type thing. And then on DraftKings, when he's cheap, get him in there. The other thing with first-round leader this week, guys, uh, I probably won't play any because of the split courses. Um, but if you see a number that you like, you know, we're having fun here. Just, you know, pull the trigger. Betting, as of right now, Molinari, Day, Burns are my outrights. Probably going to add Steel. Yeah, probably going to add Steel. 
And then that bucket of top 10, 20, and, and first-round leaders, even though I'm probably not playing first-round leaders, Varner, Stanley, Furick, Steele again, if you can get a decent top 10 number on him. Ryan Moore, Scott Stallings, Russell Knox will be my top 10, top 20 first-round leader bucket. All right. For, don't forget, patjames.substack.com. I want to share my targets on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night of players that I think are going to play better than they've been playing, play worse than they've been playing. We'll try to match them up and win, win some head-to-head matchups. All right. Look for my Pebble Beach DFS embedding sheet on patjames.substack as well. Good luck in all of your gambling endeavors. 